out of the NLT. This is what God's word says. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and... Therefore, go and... Therefore, go and... Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands, not some of the commands, not, they, not the ones that they feel like, oh, that's okay, I'll, I, I'll obey that command. No, not some, but how many? How many? Teach these new disciples. Because there's old disciples who don't obey all the commands. There are people who've been born and raised in the church who partially get by with God's word and instructions. Amen? But God, Jesus is speaking. He said, teach the disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Even to the end of the world. Go to verse 19. I love this. Jesus is speaking to the, the disciples. And he says, in order, to, in order to raise up the next generation, in order to build up the church, in order to be able to see a revival come, Guess what God's word doesn't say? I'm going to make disciples. Guess what God's word doesn't say? Me, Jesus, I'm going to do it all by myself. You know what Jesus says? I'm not going to do it, but you are. You are. So many of us are waiting for preachers, prophets, and missionaries to do the work. And God is saying, I'm waiting for you because you are the world changers of today. You are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. Someone shout, I am a miracle worker. Right now. Let's go to another passage. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. For those of you who are going to help me, get ready. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says this. Then when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back. That he was back. Verse 2. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Verse 5, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I wonder how many of you want to see a miracle happen? Make some noise. Okay, newsflash, newsflash. Uh, I believe a quiet church is a dead church. Why? Because dead things don't move and dead things don't have sound. But anybody alive in Jesus Christ, can you just make some noise? Can you make a sound? Because we are alive because of the way maker and of the way giver, the miracle maker. Amen? Who's the miracle maker? But Jesus didn't just leave it up to him, but he leaves it up to you and I today. And this is the one thing that I've noticed throughout living my life for Jesus. There is a big difference in wanting to see a miracle. There is an even bigger difference in even wanting to believe in miracles than making a miracle. Than making a miracle. I don't want our church, God's heart, it's for our church that we don't just want to see a miracle. We don't just want to believe in miracles. No, God wants to see a church that is going to make a miracle. Someone said, I'm a miracle maker. The Bible says that there were four friends that carried their paralyzed man to Jesus. Four friends. 
How many people? How did the guy get to Jesus? By how many friends? He didn't carry himself. He didn't do it all on his own. He had four friends. Number one, if you are going to be a miracle worker, one thing that you're going to have to realize in order to be a miracle worker, you have to carry a burden. Someone shall carry a burden. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, that four men carried a paralyzed man to Jesus. You see, there's a lie in the church today. And that lie says this, I can't want it more than they want it. I can't work harder if they're not willing to work harder for it. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Now, I get it. That might work in some areas of life, like education. You can't want education more than they want it. They got to do it themselves. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But that can't trickle in the heart and lives of people today who are saved in order to see those who are lost come to know Jesus and become saved by him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It cannot trickle in the area of soul winning. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor Mark? We got to want it more than they want it. Someone shout, we got to want it more than they want it. You see, the Bible says that there was a paralyzed man, and he lived in Capernaum. Someone shout, Capernaum. If they drop him, I'm going to laugh so hard. We're going to really have to carry him to Jesus. The Bible says that there were four men that carried their paralyzed man um, to Jesus. And where was he at? He was in Capernaum. There's a few facts that we got to realize about Capernaum. Number one, Capernaum is the place that Jesus made his own home. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, but he made his home when he was adult in Capernaum. It was in Capernaum where the bread of life sermon was preached in John 6.35. It was in Capernaum where Jesus preached regularly in John chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 4. It was in Capernaum where he rebuked a demon from a possessed man in Mark chapter 1. It was in Capernaum where he cured an officer's servant who had palsy in Luke chapter 7. It was in Capernaum where Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead in Luke chapter 8. It was in Capernaum where he where he cured Peter's mother of an illness in Matthew chapter 8. But it was in Capernaum more importantly, for today's message, where he cured a paralyzed man. And how did he, carry, how did he cure a paralyzed friend, or his paralyzed, this paralyzed man? How did he cure him? How did, how did he get cured? Yeah, he got cured by Jesus, but he got cured by Jesus because four friends carried him. This man was cured because four friends who decided, you know what? I, I know, I know, I, I know I'm trying to, I know I invited you to church and you said no. I know I've told you that God is a healer, but you're not, you know what? You don't want to get up out of your seat and, t- and get to Jesus by yourself. You said no. I, I, I know that I've witnessed to you over and over and over again and you said no. You know what? You know what? One of the friends says, you know what? But I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to get four of my homies and say, you know what? Get on this stretcher. We're going to carry you to Jesus. 
I wonder are there any miracle workers. I wonder if there are any miracle makers who are willing to carry their friend to Jesus. Any people in this house who are willing to do the work and say, God, you can use me to be a world changer in this world today. I'm not going to wait for the preacher to do it. No, I'm going to get me and my friends and we're going to carry him to Jesus all by ourselves. All by ourselves. I'm not waiting for Sunday morning. Are you kidding me? I'm not waiting for Prophet Ed Trout to come back to church. No, I am a miracle maker. Whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in an Uber car going from my hotel to the, or from, my, from the airport to the hotel, but the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in you. You can make a miracle. But before you get to that place of seeing miracles happen, you got to carry a burden. The Bible says these four friends carried him because he couldn't carry himself. The Bible says that these four friends got together and they did something. They made a stretcher. They got whatever they got, some primitive, some prim, some primitive carrier, and they made a way. And you know what they did when they got there? The Bible says that they, there was such a crowd, they couldn't get through. The Bible says that they went to the door, couldn't get through. They went to the window. It was, there were so many people, they couldn't get in. You know what? Most people would say, you know what? I'll just come back next week. I, you know, I'll just wait to the next sermon when it's put on YouTube and I'll listen to it. You know what these jokers did? They, the Bible says they dug a hole through the roof and they lowered him. And you know what happens when they lowered him? Go back to the verse, Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two. It says, the Bible says, when he saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are Not his faith. When he saw their faith. Is that what you read in your Bible? I don't care what version you read. ESV, King James, the NLT, the message. My goodness. Well, um, precious moments. Read all the versions for all I care. They all say the same thing. When he, Jesus, saw their faith. The Bible says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he goes on to say, son, get up, rise up, and walk. Thank you, guys. But that person, his life would have never been transformed if they didn't carry him to Jesus. How can someone who needs what you want but has never seen what you've gotten. How are they ever gonna want what you got if they don't ever even know what, that they need it? How can they get it when they're crippled and lost? How can they get it if they're blind and they can't see? They need somebody to carry them to Jesus. You know this guy, Carlos? I was just thinking about it earlier. This guy, Carlos, he, he was, he's on our worship team. He plays on the bass. It took him one month of practice and never played an instrument, and now he, he's playing bass. Now he's playing bass because of the help of Pastor Chad, our worship pastor, who is mentoring such a phenomenal, cha- uh, world, phenomenal world changers. But you know what else he does? He, 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 he puts all our YouTube videos online. He, he serves in our youth ministry. 
This boy puts up almost, I got to say almost because he misses it sometimes, puts the flags up um, every Friday at the side of the road. You know what he was before he, was, before he came to this church? An atheist. He used to pick on Christians all the time and talk trash to them. You know how Carlos came to church? Because of Jordan. Jordan, stand up. Jordan is another person that's on our worship team. He, he, he led one of our worship songs um, earlier when, you know, when we were singing. Jordan, sit down. You know how Jordan came to church? Because of Brian. Brian, stand up. Brian invited him to church. You know how Brian came to church? Because his mama said, he didn't, she didn't just invite him. It's like, you coming to church, boy. I tell people, I, gotta, I, I tell people a lot of times, I, gotta, I still got a drug problem. My mom, because my mom always drugged me to church. You know what I'm saying? You know how Terry, who is now the church secretary of this house, you know how she came to church? Because someone invited them. They didn't come because some prophet was in the church. They didn't come because the anointing is oozing all over my body and I'm healing everybody through my shadow. No, they came because of a personal invitation. Because they realized that invitation could be a carrier to Jesus. To Jesus. And the Bible says that these four friends... It wasn't enough, man, that they just spilled their life for themselves. But I'm going to spill my life for someone else who needs their soul saved by Jesus. Someone shall carry a burden. Four people showed up, the Bible says, not just because it was a young adults class and they were like, where's all the single ladies at? They didn't just come to church and be like, man, you know what? I just, want, I just want a place that I can hang out and eat food because we're going we're, we're gonna to have a family picnic here in church because it's about to rain. Someone shall free food. The, the four friends didn't just come to church for the free food. The four friends showed up not to get something for themselves, but brought someone who needed what they already had. And that was salvation. How many safe folk we got in the house make some noise? Let me ask you this. How many people have you invited to church? How many people have you carried to Jesus? That's thinking. I would submit that most people, our focus is on the church and not on Jesus. Because if it was really on Jesus, our focus wouldn't be on the church. It would be about the Father's business. And, that is, and his business is about people. There's a whole chapter about Jesus giving multiple parables, a parable of the lost sheep, and he went, left the 99 to find the one. Another parable, right after that parable, a coin that someone lost in the house and that they moved all the furniture, they swept everything around them in order to find the lost coin. There's another parable right after that parable about, about the prodigal son, this lost son, who was once living in the father's house, had the riches, had an inheritance, had everything going for him. But he's like, you know what? Show me the money. I want what I want. I'm going to live life the way I want to live. And the Bible says that he left home to live a life of prodigal living. And he lost it all, only to, come, only to be bankrupt like toilet paper is in Walmart right now. 
and realize, you know what? Walmart isn't the supplier. God is the supplier. I'm going to go back home where there's an endless supply of it, and his life was restored. But why? Because God is about the lost sheep, the lost corn, and the lost son. He's about everyone who was lost in Greenville, South Carolina, and in the uttermost parts of the world. And he has called us to be a world changer, a planet shaker, a miracle maker. How do we become that? We must be people who carry burdens. We must be people who want it more than they want it. You know, there, uh, me and one of my friends, um, one of the former, one of the coaches here and literally Brandon Atkinson, there's this guy we've been ministering to in the last two months. And it has been hard. This guy is just so raw that we're ministering to, that we're trying to reach in, in order to carry him to Jesus. I mean, when I think of raw people, this, this guy's face has to be in the, you know, Oxford's dictionary, you know? He's as raw as they come. I mean, he, every like two words is a cuss word. Everything, I mean, he, he, does, he does everything that you can think in regards to carnal and sinful. But there came a moment in his life where he was so paralyzed and crippled that he had no one to be able to love him or in this case, carry him. He got a phone call that his, that his, um, that, that his um, spouse died in Florida. You know what Brandon does? He gets up early in the morning after getting the call and drives from South Carolina or drives from South Carolina to Florida in order to be with him. I didn't know about it. Brandon calls me and tells me about it. He's like, man, what are we going to do? He doesn't have a church. I'm like, well, our church, we can, we, we can do an honoring service for, for her. But he don't even go to your church. It's not about if he goes to our church. It's about us being the church and loving him where he's, where he's at. Amen. You don't need a membership here in order to be loved. You don't need to come to this church in order to get help. You don't need, you don't, you don't, man, you don't need to be a leader in order to be discipled. God loves all people. Our vision is you belong before you behave and you belong before you believe. Why? Where did you get that? Jesus. Jesus lived that. And he lived it so much that he carried a burden by denying himself and carrying a cross. What burden are you carrying for some other soul? What person are you pounding heaven's door? God, let them come to know you. God, let their heart be healed by you. God, let their mind be restored by you. Because if you want to be the revivalist, if you want to be the world changer, if you want to be a miracle worker, you got to understand. I was talking to Pastor Chad just recently. See, here's the thing. These guys, when they, the four friends in the Bible who carried their paralyzed friend of Jesus, you know they didn't plan that? They literally got up. There was no planning on putting a hole through the roof and lowering him. They didn't have, they didn't have some system. They didn't read a book. This is how we do it. Everything they had was primitive. I was just talking to Pastor Chad. I'm like, dude, he, he has a bad back. And I, I just found out today. I didn't really know it. I'm like, you're young. You're not supposed to have a bad back. But then I have a bum knee. So whatever, you know, to each their own. And I was like, dude, don't do it. Next thing I know, he's still doing it. I wonder how bad their backs were hurting. I wonder how much stress that they were, that was created in their hands and arms. I wonder how, how, how many beads of sweat were dripping off of their head. Hello? The price that it took, the time that it, the, the strength that it took to carry him and to lower him. 
to Jesus. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't have this, I don't have that. They didn't have nothing, but they made a way. Why? Because we're miracle makers. Someone said, I'm a miracle maker. And what do miracle workers do? If you're going to be a miracle worker, point number one, what is it? Talk to me, church. You got a what? Whose burden are you willing to carry? Who are you willing to bring to church? They might say, leave me alone. Our response must be no. No. Because what you don't realize is they might be fighting you now, but they really just want you to pursue them. Why? Because they're crippled. You realize some people, the reason why they're crippled is because that's all they know and they've coped with it. They cope with being crippled. They cope with being dysfunctional. Do you know, how many people know people who just love drama? Do you know anybody? It's like everything they put on Facebook is drama. It's like, they're all, I mean, just their name should be turned into Debbie Downer because everything they say is negative, right? It's like, oh my gosh. But the four friends wanted it more for their crippled friend. How do we know they wanted it more for their crippled friend? It's because they carried him to Jesus. And the second thing is this, because he was in Capernaum. You see, at any moment, at any moment, they could have said, well, this dude, our friend lives in the same city as Jesus. You see, here's the thing about Capernaum. Capernaum is not like Greenville, South Carolina. Capernaum at its height only had 1,500 people. I went to Stratford High School in the Low Country. I graduated with 3,900, our high school had 3,900 students. Jennifer graduated from Somerville High School. They had 42, 4,100 students. Capernaum, the entire village, only has 1,500 people. It would be easy to bump into Jesus. It's like one of those small towns where everyone knows everyone, right? That's Capernaum. And at any moment, this guy could have told his mom, told his dad, told his friends, hey, get Jesus to come to me. But there is something in this paralyzed man that just wouldn't go in order for Jesus to come to him. But four friends did it anyways. Why did they have to carry this paralyzed man to Jesus? He could have been healed on his own if he really wanted it. Some people only know dysfunction and drama, but the four friends wanted it more than their paralyzed friend. All he could do is lay there. But the thing that the four friends understood that we need to understand is that if we're going to carry a burden on point 1A, we must have a burden for their eternity. We must, do you realize life is not just about living in a body at the age of 99? Does anybody know that? That you are a spirit being, God placed you in a body, or he, and he birthed you into a place in order for you. He picked the, the reason why he picked a certain time because he believed that is the perfect place for you to live today in order to make a change that this world has never seen. So many people argue about this dark place, but that's what, where does light shine the brightest church? In the darkness. And so God places us in dark places in order to shine so that all who see may glorify their father who is in heaven. And so here is his four friends. Here, is his, here are the four friends shining a light for their friend because they have a burden for eternity. Someone shall, I am a spirit being. The Bible says before the foundations of this world were formed, he knew you, he, he knew you, he formed you. He formed you before the very foundations of this world. The Bible says he created you in his spirit 
He created you in his image and in his likeness. The Bible says that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says that God is spirit. Someone shout, God is spirit. And if he made us in our image and in likeness, then we are too. Why is that important? Because one of these days, you're going to spend eternity somewhere, one or two places, heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. Someone shout, heaven or hell. Some of you didn't even want to say that because you've hardly heard that word in church today. We're living in a time where hell's not even preached about anymore, but it is a real place. It's a real place. Someone, I was talking to our, um, our leaders earlier this morning about just challenging them, challenging all of them to, are, who was the last person you brought to church? The reason why I, 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 I raised that, qu- that question right now is because last month I had a question with a, with a nun, their partner of our church, and they asked, why do you push so much reaching people? It's true. I put it on Facebook here um, last night. I, I will always focus more on reaching people than keeping people. It's not, it's not 50-50. It's more like 70-30. And I lean more towards reaching than keeping because if we keep them and lose them, they just go to another church. That's good. Right? If they're saved and know Jesus. But if we don't reach lost people and we lose them, they go to hell. I'm not okay with that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not okay with the blood of Jesus that was shed on the, cro- that was shed on the cross for my sins to, a, to, a, to, to allow my life to just be a life that lives this life. God, when I get to heaven, God, man, thank you for this amazing house. Thank you for these amazing cards. Thank, thank you for these amazing kids. And then God look at my life and say, who did you reach? Who did you reach, Mark? I'm not just asking you to reach people. My God, I'm trying to reach as many as I can. The only reason my wife's a part of PTA, the only reason why I try to be a part of baseball and everything else is not because it's fun. Yes, it's fun, but I want to reach people for Jesus because there is eternity that is at stake and I want as many people not to go to hell, but heaven. Does anybody want that with me this morning? Then we must have a burden for their eternity. We must be about reaching people instead of keeping them. Number two, if you want to carry a burden, not only do you have to have a burden for their eternity, you have to have a burden for their now. Yes, you're going to heaven, but God wants you to bring heaven to earth. If it was all about just going to heaven, then when you got saved, died, boom, there you are. Or if that was the case, and and this is more of a joke, I would never really do this. But if it was all about just going to heaven and that was it, the moment you give your life to Jesus, bam, I would kill you so you can go up. That's a joke. You can laugh at that. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's not about just going to heaven. It's not about just those hymns about, oh, the sweet by and by. No, it's about bringing heaven to earth. Does anybody believe that this morning? Can we dive in deeper? Is that okay? We dive in deeper. How about this scripture in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 9? King Solomon. It's a story about Queen, uh, King Solomon and Queen Sheba. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the theme of Solomon and his relationship to who? Not to riches, but to who? Not to his buildings, but to who? She came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her 
on her. All right, verse three. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Verse four. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, check this. Verse four, leading all the way up, it's, cra- it's crazy. Not only the palace he built, but the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants, and their what? I mean, man, that, that, them people got style. Holy smoke. His cupbearers, the burnt offerings, he made at the temple of the, the temple of himself, but the temple of the Lord. She was what? She was overwhelmed. Verse six. She said to the king, the report, verse six, she said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. Stop there real fast. So there was this conversation about preacher Solomon and the church he built in Greenville, South Carolina. All right? She's like, man, I gotta, I gotta come to this church. I gotta, I gotta come to this kingdom. I gotta see what it's all about. And, and, and this is what she, she said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdoms is true. Verse seven. <clears throat> I don't have the coronavirus, y'all. <laughs> I've had this call for like two years. Just kidding. But I did not believe, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own, my own, Indeed, not even half was told to me. In wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report I had. Verse 8. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Verse 9 is so key. Lean in. Praise be to the riches of you, O Solomon. Praises to the buildings you have built here in Greenville, South Carolina. Praise be to your swag and style with with all your homies and your cronies. No. Because of all that, praise be to the Lord your God who was delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. All those blessings were to showcase God's glory. And the Queen of Sheba understood this. You see, this is hard for a lot of us to take in. You know why? Because I said it before, I'll say it again. We live in a democracy. We don't live in a kingdom. Amen. In a kingdom, we live, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we live under a theocracy. Someone shout theocracy. We don't live in a democracy. See, in a theocracy, you can't debate anything. In a democracy, you can impeach the president. How many know you can't impeach? You can't impeach King Jesus. You can't impeach the King of Kings. You can't impeach the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And I will, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he is Lord. Someone give God praise if you believe that this morning. But because we've been conditioned in a democracy, we think we can debate scripture. 
We think we can impeach certain doctrines and instructions of God. No, 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 God says, no, I am a king. I'm not just your savior, but I am also your Lord. Yes, God saved you, but how many of you have, have made him Lord over your life? And so here is Queen Sheba who sees this. See, because in the kingdom, strip the Bible, look at, look at Adolf Hitler, look at Genghis Khan, look at Alexander the Great, look at every king when it comes to the medieval times. Only two things that distinguishes a king's glory. You know, you know what they are? Territory and the condition of the citizens that live in that kingdom. That is what distinguishes a kingdom. The amount of territory they own and the condition of the citizens in that kingdom. That's why every king tries to rule the world. We're like, why do they try to you know, rule the world? Because that, that's, what, that's how a king is distinguished. But how many of you know God owns it all? How many of you know God owns it all? Amen. Not only does God own all the territory. Not only does God own the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. Not only does he own all that, but the conditions of his citizens, God wants you to live just like the people lived under King Solomon. Because here's the thing, the Old Testament is nothing more than a type of shadow for how you and I are supposed to live. And so King Solomon represents God, Queen of Sheba represents us, and we see the splendor of God's majesty. It compels us to be able to give our life in order to live for, for his glory. And so here we are today, God is wanting to do the same thing over and over and over again. God doesn't just want to bless you in order for you to be blessed. God wants you, <coughs> God wants you to be blessed because he wants you to be a blessing to other people around you. God wants you to be so blessed like King Solomon that people come from other territories. Man, I heard this about you, Paige. I heard this about you, Brian. I heard this about you, Wayne. I heard this about you, Ken. Like, like all the all this stuff that you've been occupying, all the people that you've been impacting. Is it really true that when people get connected to you, they really come out like this? And the Bible says that she looked at the servants and that the servants looked better than the royal people in her own palace. How about that? How about that? And because of what she saw, it changed her life in order to what was happening because of what was happening in King Solomon's life. And because of the blessings that were on King Solomon, she's like, I want what you have too. Blessed be your Lord. Blessed be your Lord. Not bless the riches. We're not blessing the buildings. But because of the riches and because of the buildings, this must be the Lord. You see, most people, they don't like this kind of preaching. They're like, man, Pastor Mark, preach. Can you just preach deep things to me? And what they're meaning is, Pastor Mark, can you just feed me? Can I just be honest with you? My job isn't to feed you. I mean, if you want to be a baby, I mean, I'll get, I'll get some baby food and formula and, I'll, and I will feed you because babies are the only ones who need to be fed. How many grown people do we have in the house? Make some noise. How weird would it be in the natural if I was to feed you? <laughs> How weird. You know, we're going to, you know, I'm going to, 
you know, after service, as we're eating back there, I'm just feeding everybody, just feeding everybody, just feeding everybody. Everybody wants, everybody wants me to be like a bird and come to church every Sunday, blah, just vomit everything and feed you like birds. You think that's gross and natural, but then so many people want that in the spirit. For some, this is the only message you get and praise God for that. But my job is not just to give you regurgitated word that God has given me for you. It is to equip you. In fact, scripture says in Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 12, it says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This next verse is key. Their responsibility is not to feed you. It's to equip you. To equip God's people to do what? Work and build up the church. Isn't that what happened in King Solomon's day? Solomon equipped him to do the work and to build up the church. And who was the church? The body of Christ. Someone shout, I'm a miracle worker. The Bible says when the Queen of Sheba left King Solomon's palace, that King Solomon gave Sheba. Sheba, overflow, because why did he give out of his overflow? Because he was overflowing. The reason why it's so hard for some of us to give is because we don't have anything that is overflowing out of our own life to give. Because all we get is a regurgitated sermon Sunday to Sunday. And God says, I don't want the pastor to be the priest of your house. I want you to be the priest of your own. I want you to not, to, to, to not just get miracles on Sunday, but I want you to make miracles on your own. I don't want you just to get healings on Sunday, but I want you to be able to lay hands on the sick and the recover. The Bible says, and these signs follow those who believe. Come on. They don't, just, they don't just manifest on Sunday, but they follow believers. How many believers do we have in the house this morning? The scripture says these signs follow them. Someone shout, signs follow me. They're supposed to follow you to Walmart. They should follow you in your Uber car. They should follow you wherever you go, wherever you're doing life. They follow us who believe, but they will never follow you if you don't carry a burden. How do we carry a burden? We have to have a burden for eternity. We have to have a burden for now. But more importantly, port number two, we must carry a boldness that lives out loud. We're about to have baptism, and I can't wait because we love to live out loud when people get baptized. Amen, church. It is a celebration. It's not a funeral. Come on. We love to clap. We love to shout. We love to make some noise because it is a wedding ceremony telling the world the commitment that I made to marry Jesus. Amen. Uh, Bella, little Bella, Bella Monroe. How old is Bella? Bella is four years old, and she was telling everybody. She would come to me. She came to Chad and Kim Brown. She goes, do you want to know something cool? And, and she, her baby voice was so baby, you couldn't really understand her. And Kim's like, what? Do you want to know something cool? I'm like, yeah. My sister Helena's getting baptized. <laughs> and she was telling everybody. She was bold about what the commitment her sister was made, making. 
She was excited for what God is doing in her sister's life. And she was living bold by living out loud so all could know and hear. The actions that someone is taking, why? Because of the miracle maker that's making a miracle in a four-year-old girl. My son, this week, I, was at, I always asked him, how was school, son? I was talking to Judah. Judah was like, it was awesome. But people were talking about ghosts in school. Like, what do you mean talking about ghosts? They were talking about, they were talking about Bloody Mary, Dad. Well, what was your response? I told him, I believe in ghosts. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I believe in ghosts. I told him, I believe in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I was like, all right, what next? I told him, if you believe in the Holy Ghost, you won't have any fear for Bloody Mary. I was like, come on! <laughs> Boy, I got amped, man, when my son told me that. I'm like, live bold by living out. Someone shout, live out loud. The Bible says that though that man was healed because of four friends of bold faith. They lived out. You can't live out loud without busting, you know, busting a hole through a window. You know what most church people will say? I might get sued. I ain't doing that. <laughs> we live in a sue-happy society, and I ain't going to jail. <laughs> Glory to God. But those friends knew something. If this, pa- if, this pa- if this Jesus can patch his soul, maybe he can patch this roof. Because whatever God orders, he pays for. You realize God is in the business of building his plans, not yours. And if you are flowing in the plan of God, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Can somebody give God praise in this house this morning? Will you please stand? But look to your neighbor and say, man, you got to live out loud. Someone shout, you got to live out loud. See, people live out loud with the coronavirus. They're living out loud. You better wash your hands. You better, you better buy all the toilet paper in the world. We got friends in Florida. There is no meat in the Walmarts in Florida right now. All chicken, poultry, all meats are gone. People are going crazy because of a pandemic that is happening all over the world. Well, the world understands how to live out loud, but I wonder if God's church does. I wonder if God's church does. We live out loud when it comes to our pain. We live out loud when it comes to our, when it comes to death and our failings. We live out loud with, when it comes to the weather. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If it snows in South Carolina, everything shuts down, y'all. But what would happen if we didn't live out loud with shame? If we didn't live out loud with sickness? If we didn't live out loud with death? Instead, we lived out loud with love. We lived out loud with hope. We lived out loud with joy. We lived out loud with healing. We lived out loud with forgiveness. We lived out loud with serving. We lived out loud with honoring day and night. Not being stingy with our words, but representing our words can bring life. They can bring life. I hear God speaking to us. I'm not waiting on them. I'm waiting on you. God, fill this house. God's like, well, I'm waiting on you to bring them. See, you see, the, you see every empty chair? Look around, y'all. See, I mean, yes, there's a lot of people in the house. We see all the empty chairs. You see an empty chair. You know what I see? I see a lost soul. I see a lost soul. Because I realized in order to be a miracle worker, I gotta carry a burden. What is that burden? To think less of being embarrassed by asking someone about Jesus 
and putting more value on them coming to know the one who could save their life and change it forever. Because their life one day will either be spent in heaven or hell. And I want to ask you this question. Who's going to miss out on heaven if you don't do what you're supposed to do right now? Who's going to miss out on heaven if you don't live out loud? Jamon, man, your son blessed me today. Little boys, how old is CJ again? Eight? Seven. My God, he looks eight, acts eight. He was like, I can't wait for church, Pastor Mark. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, it's awesome back there. You know how CJ came to church? Parents brought him to church. You know how Gina and Jamon came to church? Because their cousin Meredith, right? Invited them to church. You know how Meredith came to church? Because their mama drug her to church as well. Meredith has a drug problem, just like me. It's okay. They didn't, get, they didn't come to church because of a prophet, a preacher. They came because someone invited them. Come sit with me and hear about Jesus. I was talking with Lee. The owner of a Chinese restaurant comes to our church as well. I was asking her two weeks ago, I'm like, I was like, why do you come to our church versus all the other church? Because so many preachers come here. You know what she responded to me with? You're a happy, you have a happy church. I was like, what? Except she said it with a Chinese, um, you know, I'm Asian, so I can talk about my own people. So I can talk about my mama, but no one else can. You know what I'm saying? If you say it, it's racist, if I say it, it's funny. She was like, oh, you happy church, Pastor Mark? I'm like, I'm happy? For real? Like, what do you mean I'm happy? She goes, other, other, uh, other pastors, they look angry and sad. They just look sad, sad, sad. Why? Because we realize that dead things don't talk. Dead things don't move. The people who have experienced the life-giving transformation power of Jesus are alive. And when they are, according to Scripture, they live bold by living out loud. Remember when Jesus healed the paralyzed man? He went jumping and leaping. Remember when um, Peter and John healed the, uh, uh, the paralyzed man at the gate, beautiful? The Bible says he went up leaping and jumping, screaming and yelling, telling everything that happened. I wonder what would happen if we really encountered Jesus, what, we, what kind of loud noise would come from our life with every head bowed and every eye closed. For those of you who are getting baptized, you are excused at this time to get prepared for baptism. But at this moment, we wanna prepare for those of us who may, may need to look at our life to see, have I really chosen not just to, experience a miracle, but have I chosen to be a miracle worker? So Father God, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to speak to everyone in this place who has asked God to bless them, but has yet to ask God to use them to bless others around them. This morning is a message to challenge us not to just seek 
a miracle, but to be a miracle maker in someone else's life. It's not about just giving our burdens to Jesus, which we need to do, and he wants us to, wants us to do that, but a generation that wants to carry a burden for someone else to see them come to know Jesus. But before we do that, can we say this prayer together? Jesus, right now, I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask you right now, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my selfishness. Forgive me for only thinking about my life when you die for all life. But God, right now, I give you everything. Use me to be a miracle maker. Use me. I give you my talents, my time, and my treasure. I dedicate my life to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you said that prayer and you've given your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand all across this building? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Come on, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Can we give God praise for the 10 people who have given their life to Jesus this morning? Come on, the greatest miracle that could ever happen, happened just now. People who have crossed over from death to life. 